Hey, hey, welcome back. So today's episode ties back to a podcast I heard quite a long time ago. I don't even remember which one I was listening to, but it was a very brief remark someone made about the two things that we have control over when it comes to kind of planning and all of that. The first was how you plan for what you think will happen. And the second is how you respond to what actually happens. When I first heard that, I thought, I don't know if I agree with that. But as I sat on it for a while, it unlocked a lot of powerful things and it brought a lot of clarity to some changes I've made over my life in the last many, many years. So I'm excited to share this with you today. We're going to break down both how to plan for what you think will happen. I'm going to give you some tips around that. And then we're also going to have a much longer conversation about now, how do you respond to what actually happens. And I'm going to give you some tips that will hopefully make that response even easier for you. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Semrel. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. And just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. Hey there, welcome back to Work Life Harmony. Today, I want to talk through a really interesting, I was listening to a podcast, as always, <laughs> a long time ago, and someone, I don't even remember who it was that said it, but they said, the, the end of the day, there's really only two things that we have control over. One of them is how we plan for what we think is going to happen. Notice that what we think is going to happen. And the second is how we respond to what actually happens. And when you really think about it, that when it comes to, you know, managing life, our time, organization, and all of that, that's really the only two things that we have control over. And that comment kind of just went through in passing, but it it hit me hard. And I put a lot of thought into it. So first I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, you know what? This really resonates. So I want to talk through both of those here today and tell you why I really believe that's a great way to think about how we approach planning and then how we approach our lives, ourselves, our mental state when all of those best laid plans go like completely haywire. So first let's tackle the the first thing that we have control over is how we plan for what we think is going to happen. Now I will tell you, I definitely am a recovering control freak. I do like to, <laughs> I do like control over cert- certain things. Some I don't like, I love just having days where I can wake up and say, what do I feel like doing? But when it comes to planning and planning for what we think is going to happen, you all know, if you've been listening to me for a long time, it is critical for you to have systems and processes in place that you use 
to plan and manage your time every day, week, and month. At the heart of everything I teach inside my top program are systems all around this. Now, every single week on Sunday, 90, 99% of the time I do it on Sunday, I sit down and lay out my plan for the following week. I use the same system and process I've been using for a very long time to do this. And it's what I teach others to do as well. Now, when I go through that plan and laying out the whole plan for the week, I'll be perfectly honest, like all of you, most of the weeks, everything doesn't go exactly as planned. It does not. Too many things pop up in life. But part of my planning process actually includes planning for the unknown. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I think it's an important thing to understand because it will really set us up for the conversation of the second thing that we do have control over as well. So when we think about planning for what we think is going to happen, I want to encourage all of you every single week to actually do some planning for the unknown. Now, unless you are someone who week in and week out, things go exactly as you plan and as you expect, I personally don't know anybody like that. So that means I want to plan for the unknown. Well, the next question people always ask is, how in the world do you plan for the unknown when you don't know what it is? So how do you plan for it? When I talk about planning for the unknown, I mean making sure that every single minute of every day is not booked solid with something that I'm saying has to get done. I'm not overbooking myself and I'm not overcommitting myself. And one of the tools I use every week, I've called it a bunch of different things. Sometimes I call it CYA time. I've called it buffer time. I've called it Murphy's law time, but I always make sure there's a chunk of time on my calendar every week that I block off, but I don't assign any specific task or work items or meetings or appointments because I am basically saying, you know what, in case something happens, that derails one of my plans earlier in the week, I want to make sure I have a pocket of time where I can regroup if I need to. Now, if one of those rare weeks do happen where I actually, you know, nothing massive happened to derail me, well, then when that chunk of time hits, now it's just an opportunity for me to either work ahead, have some additional downtime, et cetera. The second thing that kind of ties in with this when we talk about this planning for what we think will happen, again, is planning for downtime, which I just kind of mentioned here. The best thing that you can do is to not overbook and overschedule yourself. Now, another key element when it comes to planning for what we think will happen, because again, we're now talking about what we do have control over. We have control over what we're putting on our calendar and what we're saying yes to. But when you're doing your planning, another key ingredient to think about is how you can be planning the most efficiently, not just effective, but efficient. So when I'm talking about that, I'm saying, look at your calendar, look at the list of all the things that you want and need to get done for the week and ask yourself, how can you group things together or order things in a way that are going to make your time most efficient? One of the biggest killers of time, particularly for women, although it's a little bit different right now during the pandemic, but is running errands, you know, running an errand, two errands on Monday, another errand on Tuesday, another errand on Wednesday. Well, if you had sat down and strategically figured out a more efficient way of doing that, maybe you could just run errands once a week and go to all five places in a really orderly way. And that can end up saving you hours of time. 
So those were just a few things I wanted to share when we talk about the first thing that we do have control over, which is planning for what we think will happen. Now, the second part, the second part is near and dear to my heart. And the second part of this that we do have control over is how we respond to what actually happens. Now, the scenario that that least likely happens to me is we have a week where everything goes exactly as we planned. Well, in those weeks, how we respond to that is pretty darn easy, right? We probably feel happy. We feel rested. We feel accomplished. We feel satisfied. But I want to instead really talk about what are some tips, tricks, and what do we do when things don't go as we plan and life throws us a curveball, we have one of those days or we have one of those weeks. So let's talk about this. Historically, this is not, this has not been something that was my strong suit, but it was something that I really made an intentional effort years ago to say, I don't, I don't want to be this way anymore. I was definitely someone who I always laid out a good plan. And then when something would come in that would derail the plan, it didn't sit well with me. And my initial reaction would always be one of just kind of a flare up. You know, if I was planning on doing something at nine o'clock and then all of a sudden it changed to 930, be like, oh no, even though half the time it really didn't matter. But that was always my initial reaction was one of saying, I don't like it. Change, not good. I want to stick to my plan. Well, it was really interesting because when I was a young girl, my dad was in the military. I have two older sisters. And at one point, my dad was a Marine and they did this interesting thing with the families where we all took a Myers-Briggs test. And it was interesting to see how we all came out on that. But then they gave a really, and I was really young, so I don't remember much of the seminar, but they gave an interesting talk about all the different personality types within a family and shared tips and tricks for this. And one of the tools that we learned was something that they called doing the hit and run. And we all laughed when I was younger because we learned this was a good technique to use for my dad. But then I also found out as I got older, <laughs> it was a good technique for people to use for me as well. Apparently, we, we share that similar personality trait. And it's basically this, that if, if you are needing to make a change in someone's plans, and it's somebody like myself who likes to stick to a plan, they coached us, the best thing you can do is to use the hit and run technique, which would be to go in, give them the change of plans, and then get the heck out as fast as you could. Because what's happening for the person like myself that's having those plans changed is our initial reaction is one of, I don't like this. But then as we process it through our head and we're like, okay, well, really, what's the big deal? So we're going to do it at 930 instead of nine. And we kind of have this inner conversation in our head. Five minutes later, we're like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's do it at 930 instead of nine. But what we were mistakenly doing was trying to go in, present the change and then sell the change all at the same time. Whereas the person who needed the hit and run done to them is much better off if you just drop the news and leave and let them process it on their own. Well, as I got older, I realized I was the same way. I worked better if somebody would just give me the hit and run and tell me, hey, we're changing our plans. Because when I had time to sit down and kind of process that and regroup, I could get on board with it a lot better. But then as even more time came on, and then I got married, and then I had kids, 
all of it were kid, my schedule got more and more and more crammed. Now, this is all part of my journey up to learning how to better manage my time. But what was interesting (laughs) with this is I got to a point where I started recognizing that the hit and run wasn't working for me anymore either. That my response when things didn't go as planned was always one of just feeling like I was going to fall apart. And when I really analyzed it, I recognized it was because I had so I had overbooked my calendar and my time so much that when one little thing would get changed, the ripple effect was so enormous that it was one that I could not recover from. The smallest shift of moving an appointment from nine to 9.30 had a four-day ripple effect that left me feeling like, what was I going to do? And so I would get upset at the change instead of recognizing I was completely overbooked. And back to the first thing that we do have control over, which is how we plan for what we think will happen. Remember I mentioned that importance of planning for the unknown? I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that for a very long time. Now, now that I have those little pockets planned throughout the week of, I don't know what is going to happen. This is what allows me when a shift like that comes to not let that ripple effect completely derail me and, and make it just feeling like the entire world has fallen apart. Now, when I first shared this concept of the two things that we have controlled over in my Facebook group, it's an open group anyone can join called Work-Life Harmony. Some questions came in from folks saying, hey, Megan, can you talk about some strategies and tools that we can do when the unexpected happens so that we don't completely fall apart? So I want to give you three tips on this for when life happens and now we're in that space where we have the choice of deciding How are we going to respond to what actually happens? Now, when something comes in that derails us, the very first thing I've had to learn to do as well is let it happen. Recognize we can't change everything. And instead of trying to to shove it back in when maybe it can't be shoved, is to just say, okay, this is no longer happening. I'm going to accept and I'm going to acknowledge that. Because once we do that, now we're in a position to say, now what am I going to do about it? And we're also needing to recognize we can't control everything. Because if your initial response is to say, how do I get this back to the way I want? That puts us in a state of... Are you so overwhelmed that you aren't even sure where to start? Guess what? You're not alone. In fact, still happens to me sometimes. And that's exactly why I created my three-step ditch the overwhelm process. And I use it anytime my list of things to do starts to paralyze me. I've shared this process with over 10,000 women. And if you need help getting out of overwhelm and back into action on the things that matter most, you can grab it too. All you have to do is DM me the word amen over on Instagram at Megan Sumrall, and my team will send it right over. I don't even know a great word to describe it, but it's just kind of control freaky. It's a, it feels hard, right? And that's what I used to do. I would always want to say, no, I'm going to get it back into this place that I want instead of saying, okay, it's changed. I'm acknowledging it. Now what? And that saves you so much stress. It saves you so much frustration. 
Now, the third part of this now is to say, now, what are we going to do? How do we regroup? Now, when we get thrown one of these big curveballs, I like to put them into one of two buckets. It's either the small one, which is like, okay, something today got derailed. And so I just need to figure out how to regroup what I couldn't get done today and get this figured out how I'm going to get that implemented in the future. That's the smaller scale. The bigger scale is the entire week. Like everything has just gone completely haywire. So let's talk about the first scenario, which is the smaller one. I like to think back to an example. This was a few years back where I was getting much better at rolling with the punches. I was on a little girls weekend getaway and it was time for me to get up and go. And I had a long drive home and we were all heading out to our cars and my sister's car was dead deader than a doornail, not going to start. Now we were on the top of a mountain, (laughs) kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I had a four to five hour drive home. And this was on a Sunday. And I always need to get back, get ready for the school week, work week, all of that. And I happened to have AAA. My sister did not. So I knew I was in a position to jump in and help because we're on the top of a mountain and her car's completely dead. Now, my sister grew up with me. She knows that she knows the old Megan, the hit and run Megan, the one that doesn't do well when things get derailed. But I was in this new space of having better ways of planning my time. So I call AAA and yes, they can come and help us, but it's going to take them a good hour and a half to two hours to get to where we were. So at that point, I had a choice. I could get into a tizzy and figure out, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all my usual Sunday stuff, the laundry, the school prep, the you know meal prep, the getting the lunches, the snacks, the this, that, and the other. Or I could stop and say, hey, it's just, it's a couple hours. It's not the end of the world. What can I do? Well, I am here to tell you that couple hour wait ended up being the most glorious two hours ever. I was able to sit down. I remember this so clearly with my computer in a quiet space with a gorgeous view and actually got a ton of stuff done that I wasn't even expecting to be able to get done until later that week. But I'm convinced that if I had flipped out, been stressed out, been like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this because I have to, and that opera, I just would have sat and churned for two hours. Instead, I was able to say, well, I'm going to regroup. It's just one afternoon. It's just a few hours. Let me shift to what I can do. So that's the smaller scale ones. Those are easier. And what's interesting is I remember at the end of that, because my sister knew the old Megan and she kept going, are you sure? I feel so bad. I kept going, I'm great. And at the end of it, she's like, you know what, Megan, I could tell you really were okay. I was like, yeah, I know progress, right? Because she knew better than anyone because she had grown up with me. Now, in the second situation, these ones are the hard ones. These are the ones where you're thrown such a big curveball, like you're looking ahead and an entire week or weeks are completely like you have to wipe the slate clean. There is not enough reserve time on your calendar to regroup. Now, this most recently happened to me just right before the Christmas holiday. At the time I'm recording this, we're here in the new year. And my daughter's school made a very last minute change to the Christmas holiday, and they actually extended it by seven extra days. Some of them at the beginning of it, and then adding a whole extra week on the back end of it. 
Now I had planned to take the time off for the original Christmas holiday, had really cleared my calendar so I could be present in the moment and enjoy the holiday, which I did to the fullest. But then I also had a very full calendar for that week after to hit the ground running. I had things schedules, I had appointments, I had all sorts of stuff. And then at the last minute we're told, and now we're, you know, there's no virtual, there's no in-person, there's just no nothing for an additional week. Now that was one that massively derailed me. And I'll be honest, when I first got that email, I was really, really upset because I looked at my calendar and went to that instant space of mom guilt, of feeling guilty for being angry, of them going, okay, well, I have no options either. I've got to wipe my, you know, cancel everything or have my kids sit in front of, you know, a TV or or video game for hours on end for an entire week, which I don't love either. Because of course, then I feel even more guilty, right? But when I get into this situation, once I went through all the, you know, wasted probably a half an hour, just being angry and churning, what I do in that situation is I literally went to my calendar and I wiped it clean, like my actual paper planner. I erased all the things and just said, okay, I have to completely regroup. Instead of looking at, I think I counted up, I had like 18 or 19 appointments that week. Instead of trying to look at each one and say, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Instead, I said, okay, I'm going to do a complete do-over. And what I did for that particular week was I had to get to a place where I had to say, okay, what is the 100% have-tos? And what can I let go of? Now, is it easy? No. Did I have to cancel some things I wasn't thrilled about canceling? Absolutely. But what I was able to do was actually get some things done, have an intentional week, and not just sit there spinning in a state of disastrous stress and staying in that space of being angry about the change. But that had to be a conscious decision on my part to say, how do I choose to respond now that this has happened? So for me, when it comes to these derailments with our time, our calendar, all of that, it all comes back to having those systems and processes in place that allow you to recover, that allow you to regroup, that allow you to replan and to reprioritize. So I think it would be really great for all of you to think through, first of all, the first thing you have control over, which is how you plan for what you think will happen. Ask yourself, how are those planning processes going? Are you feeling good about that? Or are you still needing help with that? And then secondly, how do you respond to what actually happens? Maybe think, you know, are you a hit and run kind of person If your response is always one of panic because the ripple effect is massive, that could be a sign for you that you need to tweak your planning and do a better job of planning for the unknown, namely not over committing. And if it's just some of it tied to your personality trait, like it is for me, where change is something I've had to learn to get comfortable with, just having that awareness alone is so empowering. So I hope you guys find this helpful and I'd love to hear your feedback on how you're going to choose to respond to when things actually happen. Make it a great week, everyone. Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall. 
or just open any browser and go to megansummerl.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworklifeharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.